was going to ask a question mm. about. So when you talked about, um, Oh, I interrupted and then it went no. right out of your head, didn't it? No, no. I, I, I know I was going to ask you something about, um, and it was a really good question. Damn too. it. <laughs> It'll come back to you. It yeah. totally will. It really? totally will. Oh, man. Hmm. Did you guys have, oh, oh go ahead. You I got remembered. it. Yes. You got it. Yes. Okay. Breast Cancer is Boring. This is Jocelyn, and I'm joined by the amazing karate champion, Lauren. I did get a gold medal this this past tournament. Of course you did. I did. Oh. I was very proud of myself. As Thank anticipated. You. Oh, and our welcome. guest. We have a beautiful guest here today. We have a very cool guest. This is Lily, and Thanks, I'm going guys. to let Lily explain just what a chemo master she is. So I've been working uh, in nursing for six years as an oncology nurse, um, working with chemo patients from beginning to end, diagnosis all the way to end of life, and absolutely love it. I've really dug in into this as my like nursing passion and nursing career, and happy to be here. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Thank you for being here. Yeah, really excited to have you. I know Lily because we work at the same hospital, and I've known Lily since you were a brand new nurse. Since I was a baby nurse, mm-hmm. Jocelyn was my teacher, <laughs> and now yeah. the student has become the master. <laughs> like literally, I can't like stress that enough. But like within three weeks of you training, I like I know I told you this, but like I went to our manager and I was like, "Lily is the new Jocelyn. She's gonna take over. It's gonna be great." It's because I had you as, as a teacher. Probably the most pivotal moment of your life, Absolutely. would you say? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, a bit. Nice. Okay. We've brought Lillian as an expert because chemo is this whole thing, and I hate it, and I just need, even though I understand it, I need someone to help me rationalize, like, do we really have to do chemo? Why do we have to do chemo? Why can't we do something else? Having an understanding and all the information, I think, is one of the only things that can prepare you or make you feel better is having that, you know, being able to rationalize why you have to do this. What am I supposed to do as a patient? What can I expect from my nurses? What can I expect from my providers? Because if you just go in blind, it's going to be even scarier. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay. So... Give us like a intro to chemo. What is chemo? How does it work? Yeah. Layman's terms too, especially for our listeners. Mm -hmm. Great Mm -hmm. question. So chemotherapy is a medication that kills cancer cells. 
Um, it has cytotoxic activity, which just means killing cancer cells. Um, there's lots of different types of chemo. Some of them are cell cycle specific. Some of them are cell cycle non-specific. So if you like think back to sophomore year of high school in biology, cells follow a life cycle and reproduce. So the cell cycle specific ones at a specific point in time, it's killing those cells. Where non-specific is killing it just at any time, which is usually why you get two different types of chemo. You rarely hear somebody just getting one therapy. You're usually getting a cell cycle specific and a cell cycle non-specific at the same time to be the most effective. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Wow. Because you don't want to just come at the cell at one time. It's just not going to be the most effective. So these cancer cancer cells are rapidly dividing, meaning that they're reproducing at a fast rate because cancer is incredibly smart and has figured out how to do that. So chemo is specifically targeting those rapidly dividing cells, which are your cancer cells, but also a ton of other cells in your body, which is why you get all of those different side effects, which we can talk about more. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask a question for those who are non-nursing <laughs> so when you say kill cancer cells what do you mean by that what happens to those cells hmm. so typically it's apoptosis which is basically like oh, a yeah, the cell apoptosis. popping <laughs> like it's just ew gross it's, I know it's kind of like a, like a zit is how I picture mm. it in my mind which is gross but also kind of satisfying you're thinking about these cancer cells dying. Okay. They're popping and then the rest of your body picks up those debris and then gets rid of them through waste like it does anything else. Okay. Like it does with other cells because yeah. cells are dying off all the time. Exactly. It's a normal part of. It's totally normal. Okay. That's so cool. I love that. I've never been given that visual before actually. I've never yeah, thought about it Yeah, isn't it like gross way. and satisfying? It is kind of gross and satisfying. And also, like, in a logical way that's not probably medically based, is like, well, yeah, no wonder I feel shitty. Like, all these pimples are popping all over my body. <laughs> well, yeah. Gross. It's Absolutely. gross. And with certain chemos and with certain cancers, that action of all of those cells dying and popping at the same time can lead to really like significant side effects so with certain disease processes and certain cycles we're really watching for that because all of that bad stuff inside that cancer cell is then let out into your body at once wow but there's lots of things we do to help prevent that and that's typically what you see more in patients who are going to be in the hospital to receive their chemo okay so um why does all my hair have to fall out when I get chemo? Like, Good question. <laughs> so like I was saying, cancer is rapidly dividing cells, but so are lots of different areas of your body. So your hair and your eyebrows and your eyelashes, all rapidly dividing. Your skin is rapidly dividing. Mm. Your nails, which are why your skin can get thin. You're more prone to sunburn. Your nails can get brittle and thin. Mm. Also, the entire lining of your GI tract. So 
from your mouth all the way down, super rapidly dividing cells. So that's why you get mouth sores. It's one of the things that can lead to nausea. It can cause terrible diarrhea. It can cause like terrible anal fissures because that skin is just so friable. I just want to take a moment to be thankful that I did not, to my knowledge, and I feel like I would know, get any anal fissures. I had hemorrhoids. You had hemorrhoids. Yeah. That's right. We talked about this. I did. Oh. It was horrible. Terrible. And then if you add like constipation or diarrhea on top of that, it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's no fun. Shards of glass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Were you bleeding out yes. your asshole? Oh, yes. Like... How much blood are we talking about? Obscene. Like you look in the toilet bowl and it's like what color? Bright red. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. I There were days where I would go to my doc and I'd be like, I feel like I'm losing a lot of blood because I'm having to go to the bathroom all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I am also bleeding heavily all the time. Oh, my God. There was no con- there's no constipation, at least on no, I this didn't. side of yeah, the table. Yeah, Dead at all. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-mm. No such thing as constipation. Not with chemo. For the first time in my life, I was not constipated. Mm-mm. Like, oh, wishing for those days when I was constipated. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, would I rather? I don't know. Because there are women who get constipated. I've heard. Mm-hmm. And there are chemos that can make you constipated. Yeah. And that's also its own form of torture. For sure. So um, I think it would be really awesome to also, from your point of view, kind of give a walkthrough, because Jocelyn and I, as patient, on the patient side, Mm -hmm. you know, we've experienced it, but I think it would be really kind of cool to hear how um, chemo is administered and also... um, you know, I know Jocelyn and I have talked about a portacath. We both mm-hmm. had our portacath put in. Um, and then kind of how all of that works and what your role is in using that and mm-hmm. your experience in that. Absolutely. So chemo can be administered in a lot of different forms. Typically, it's IV, which means into your blood system, so straight into a vein. Um, it can also be given as a shot. Um, either into your fat or into your muscle, and then also as a pill. So I think most people have experience with IV or pill form chemo. Hmm. can also be put in a few other places that are more rare for like specific types of cancer, but most people are familiar with the IV and the pill form of chemo. Um, so IV, we need access to your bloodstream, which can be via a portacath. That's an implanted central line that's underneath your chest. Um, I I personally prefer that as a chemo nurse. I think it's the best and safest way to give chemo Mm. and the most convenient for a patient. Um, It can also be done just through a normal IV. Um, With an IV, you've got to have a new one placed every time you go to the doctor. You've got to always draw blood peripherally. Um, And chemo is just really hard on your veins. Mm-hmm. So you it's you can quickly lose veins. For some types of chemo, it's fine. Um, but as a nurse, I prefer the port. I think it's definitely my favorite way to give chemo because I know exactly where the chemo is going at all times. Mm-hmm. And it's easiest for my patients. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of work goes in 
to administering chemo from the nursing standpoint. There's a ton of safety regulations in place to make sure that we are always giving patients exactly what they need. There's safety uh, standpoints from the physician. Multiple physicians discuss patients' cases, make sure that they're choosing the right treatment plan. Then there's safety from the pharmacist. Pharmacists look over chemo plans, like specific pharmacists, all they do is oncology. It's not the same pharmacist at CVS. It's Mm -hmm. an oncology pharmacist. And then two chemo certified nurses look over your treatment plan and the medications that you're giving. So sometimes it can feel like you're waiting a long time for your chemo to start. And it's usually because those safety checks are in place to make sure that your body's ready and we're giving you the exactly what you need, right doses, right medications. Um, so to get ready, a chemo nurse will look over your labs, chat with you about how you're doing. Um, in the clinic setting, you'll probably see the oncologist instead of the nurse. Um, and they'll ask you about their side effects because sometimes side effects are significant enough that you've got to hold off on chemo or labs aren't quite ready for chemo. So you make sure that your body's ready to get the chemo. Once we know that, we'll access your port. Pharmacy will make your chemo, bring it up to us. Two nurses check over it again. So they've looked at the paper. Now they're looking at the chemo. <laughs> um, we bring it in to you. There's, there's some new regulations going into place about um, what nurses need to be wearing when giving chemo. So don't be totally shocked if you see your nurse looking like they're going into an Ebola patient's room. It's not because this is not what you need. It's about repeated exposure in the government. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> your nurse will um, just hook it up straight to your IV. They usually hang out with you for the beginning. They're always close by if you need anything. And most of the time my patients say they don't, they don't even know. They'll say, oh, have you started? Like, yeah, chemo's been running for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's it's nerves getting ready for it. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. Yeah. I Infusion day was like some of my best days because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's the farthest from the last infusion. And getting the chemo doesn't feel like anything. Getting the pre-meds, for me, didn't feel like anything. Now, I know that's not the experience with some people if they have really poor reactions to chemo mm-hmm. even like like the anticipatory symptoms symptoms will start before they even get the chemo right yes anticipatory nausea is mm-hmm. a pretty mm-hmm. common thing when you've had this traumatic experience beforehand it's like ptsd and it's not the patient not being able to like calm down like it's really physiologically your body is getting nauseous just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you can't deep breathe your way out of that. Mm-mm. We have medicines we can give you for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so oftentimes you'll learn more about how you handle chemo after the first treatment and for subsequent treatments. So you'll know, oh, this patient gets more nauseous. They might need additional nausea meds, or maybe they don't like the way that Zofran tastes. Mm-hmm. Some patients, they taste it and it makes them think about when they're nauseous. And mm-hmm. so they need a pill that they can just swallow so it doesn't taste like anything. That Sofran tastes like ass. I don't know what actual ass tastes like, but like that sublingual like thing, it tastes so bad. You're like, 
okay, so maybe I will vomit like right now. And then you like try and hold it in long enough for the Zofran to kick in because the taste is so bad. It almost makes you vomit. I don't remember that. You remember it tasting really awful? No. Oh man. But I also had like no taste buds. Right. Okay. So. So maybe maybe you just didn't know. Maybe it doesn't taste that bad. And that was just so, I mean, everything tasted bad Mm -hmm. except Mm -hmm. food tasted like food to me forever and ever and ever so water lucky. tasted like metal so friend tasted like ass and those are the three categories of taste yeah <laughs> food taste <laughs> metal taste and ass taste okay all right hmm hmm oh god i have so many questions because like yeah. i can i think i've forgotten more about chemo mm-hmm. than i ever learned in the first place and then i don't care how much you know about chemo once you become the patient and I had no shit about breast cancer. Yeah. Like in the hospital we got, we don't deal with breast cancer a ton in the hospital. Right. It's a lot about patient. Really advanced or like early diagnosis. Most of it is outpatient. Yeah. Which is great. Mm -hmm. Comparatively speaking. That's what I want to do. I want, you Lauren to talk about the whole course like from diagnosis everything kind of the and then I want to compare it to my experience Mm -hmm. like what my clinic did and what my and then I want you Lily to poke holes in it and be like (laughs) what they didn't do this what about this (laughs) like I'm interested I I just don't know what to compare it to because and I've never worked outpatient Mm -hmm. oncology except for the few you know, yeah, shifts case. we would yeah. pick up at the clinic. But like, so I feel like I got full service, great, like had a great experience, but I don't know. And I, and I bet that there's a number of people out there who are wondering like, is this what this should look like? So what was that experience for you, Lauren? So are you asking specifically from like entering like the chemo room? Like how did or somebody bring up beforehand, chemo to you? Like, what was that conversation like you're going to get chemo and then like oh all the way from that through like this is the chemo I got and uh so I mean I found out I was needing chemo like when I post-op that's right yes why do I always forget that and I was wasted on some serious pain meds and they like literally told you just post-op mm-hmm okay Yes, but I do remember hearing my, because I remember seeing my surgeon vaguely. (laughs) (laughs) And I do remember her coming up to me and saying, you're going to need chemo. And I said, okay. (laughs) And she spoke with my mother for quite some time. Okay. And then she left. So that was my, you're going to need chemo talk. (laughs) But I do remember her saying that. Um, So the next step for me was, you know, obviously to pick out my oncologist. And I already kind of knew, you know, which oncologist I wanted to use based on location and, you know, because I work in a hospital too. So I had some 
knowledge of the oncologists who work the outpatient clinic near where I was living and working. So I went to go see him and, um, you know, I, I kind of had a understanding of what I was going into and, you know, he gave me his recommendations of what chemo treatment I will need and how many and how long the treatment will take and how far apart my treatments will be and what each of these drugs are and why he chose them and, um, and kind of a date to get started. And that's sort of the initial, it was very like, you know, doctor's office Mm -hmm. visit kind of thing. How long were you guys talking on that first visit? Like how long was your appointment? Do you know? I, I mean, he certainly took plenty of time to sit with me. Like I didn't feel like I was one of those where like, you know, the doc has every 15 minutes mm-hmm. scheduled. Uh, yeah. You know, I think that they sort of allot time for a new diagnosis just because of all the questions. Mm-hmm. I also spoke with the uh, nurse practitioner. Yes. Um, who also I would go see on a regular basis. I spoke with her too. And she kind of gave me an idea of what she and I would be meeting about. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I also met the charge nurse um, for all the chemo patients. Mm-hmm. I met her and talked to her for a few minutes. And then I met another, like an actual chemo nurse. It was, I mean, it was a lengthy visit for mm-hmm. sure. Now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, oh yeah, I did. Yeah, meet things them. are coming back to you. <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, it, you kind of get the full tour, especially since you're going to spend a lot of time there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the only thing I didn't really recognize is the length of time, especially for first treatment, like a whole eight hour day. Yeah. Yeah. Open the place and you close it down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't realize that, but other than that, um, I think it was a really good, very thorough, very, very, very thorough um, discussion. And I think that they really tried to make it as everything like in layman's terms, even though I understand medical terms, Mm -hmm. I think it was important that they didn't take advantage of that. And they still explained everything to me as if I didn't know already. There's often a misconception that you have a certain type of cancer and you need to see that kind of cancer doctor and, um, you know, like a breast, if you have breast cancer, you have to see a breast cancer specialist in, you know, period. Um, but that certainly wasn't the case. And, um, I, I think that most oncologists can treat. Yeah. Most oncologists treat a wide, like mm-hmm. a wide range of cancers. There's, there's certain, like, often gynecological cancers are separated out. You'd maybe think that breast cancer would be there, but it's not. It's usually treated by the same people that do 
other major body systems. And then there's often a, a neuro-oncologist who deals with things mm-hmm. with the brain. Mm-hmm. So there are some like oncologists that do specialize. Mm-hmm. I feel like breast cancer is one of those like highly like very regulated, very like predictable course of treatment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Does it- there's so much research and mm-hmm. there's so much evidence and your oncologist will know that evidence. It's it's not a really rare cancer that you need to then immediately drive to MD Anderson and find the one doctor who did their entire thesis on it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I got a good one. I like my gynecologist was like, I've never had to tell anyone this before. Mm. So she's like, I don't know who to like recommend or anything. Mm. So I knew like sometimes insurance determines what doctor you can go see a lot of times. So I knew that super important Mm -hmm. too. So that they'll actually pay your claims. Yeah. Find out who your insurance covers, and then they're probably going to have multiple clinics. Mm-hmm. If they're like a, a good, reputable oncology office, I don't know, as opposed to a disreputable one, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, that would be difficult, but... Don't go to an oncologist yeah. with one star. Yeah. Don't go to like the one next to the payday loans, maybe, mm-hmm. not that one. But um, they had several locations, and so I picked a location that was convenient for my life because I somehow knew that I would be spending a lot of time there. And then I think I chose my doctor that way, but I got an appointment and I went, my doctors, he would like sit down. He was talking to me. He's like, and we, t- and we test for three different things. We test for her too. We test for PR and ER. And those are the two hormones. And he goes, your her too was positive. And then he like, and then he goes, your ER was positive. <laughs> like, it was so like funny. I still remember, yes. Like, and, and he would, but you can't see the face I'm making, but it's like this earnest face of like mm-hmm. waiting for a reaction from me. And I'm like, these words mean nothing mm-hmm. to me. Because <laughs> I don't know shit about breast cancer. <laughs> so he like... <laughs> rolling it out and like giving me time to absorb it as if as though it meant something to me so oh my god I love it he's so great but he I think what he was he was telling me triple positive is like I think only 20 percent this is these are the numbers I remember from that visit so fact check this but I think only 20 percent of women are triple positive and it's an aggressive form of breast cancer but it's also like in this post Herceptin world it no longer like the really poor diagnosis it used to be before Herceptin. Mm-hmm. Before Herceptin, it was pretty bad prognosis. And now it's one of the best. Although, if you're under 40, was it, in that research article? You're just, you're a little more screwed than your over 40 counterparts. But whatever. Can't have it all. No. Youth and vitality mm-hmm. and longevity, I guess. Anyway, he explained it to me and he said, he basically laid it out. You're going to get chemo and then you'll have some sort of surgery because we'll try to shrink the tumor and then we'll decide lumpectomy versus mastectomy. He said, and then we'll, we'll talk about radiation, you know, later. He just kind of glossed over the rest. 
And then, so before you can get chemo at this place, you have to do the teach. And I called it the chemo and me class, but Mm -hmm. it's the teach and it's an hour long and it was a separate appointment and you go and it's just you and whoever you've brought with you, which again was my husband. And, um, it was the nurse practitioner that works with my physician and that's where I got my binder. So they gave me a binder. They gave me a bag. They gave me, uh, mm -hmm, I got some swag and some Kansas swag. Uh, they gave me a certificate for a free t-shirt. <laughs> and I think... Congratulations. I know. <laughs> you have cancer. Free t-shirt. Cancer and all I got was this t-shirt. Yeah. It wasn't actually that t-shirt I would have actually gotten. But I just like... I was kind of in shock still. So I was like, well, like okay, what the I'll hell would I do with the t-shirt? Okay, fine. But they spent an hour and they went through every single medication because you're not just getting the chemo. You're, mm-hmm. I was got Taxol and I got Carbo, Carboplatin, and then the Herceptin and Progetta, which they all have like their separate generic names too that you have to learn. But there's all of these pre-meds they give you i got iv decadron i got synvanti and aloxy which are like Mm -hmm. basically nausea they're all nausea medications i think yeah mostly right that's what a steroid is for exactly and uh i forgot maybe that was it i'm not even positive sometimes you've got meds you've got to take afterwards when you go home some people you have to take steroids for five days or a few days after chemo, you have to start taking all these different antibiotics or anti-diarrheals. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, I got post-meds too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they did the chemo and me class. I passed the, the class. Good job. Yeah, it's, I think it's more like a participation trophy, but whatever. And then I was able to schedule my port placement. I got my port placed on a Thursday and because I knew better, I made sure that the surgeon kept it accessed. Because when they put a port in you, they have to access it mm-hmm. in the operation to make sure it works. And this should be a same-day procedure. You're in and out unless you have to get your first round of chemo in the hospital for breast cancer, which is, mm-hmm. I think, rare and maybe only if you have, like, stage 3 or beyond. I think. Again, I don't know that much, honestly. But I asked my surgeon to leave it accessed so accessed it got it in on a thursday and then got started chemo the next morning on a friday were you given an option on the port did they say hey do you want to do this port we could do it peripherally yes okay they did but did they explain it well and because you had the background to know that it's great i did not want a port so my grandma had a port like when she started getting really sick, she had mm-hmm. like emphysema and I think she got lung cancer near the end of the, you know, she was on oxygen at the end and she had a port. And so, and my patients had ports. Like I don't get a port. Yeah. You have a port. Yeah, it was hard and it was a weird logic. And like, I know I know these things, but you get in that room and it does not matter what you know, because mm-hmm. you're, you forget it. Like you don't, associate it with you it's like you're starting Mm -hmm. fresh it's I don't understand it and I like but I was not me in those settings like me as a patient nurse Jocelyn no it's not nurse Jocelyn it's not logical Jocelyn Mm -hmm. it's not like planning Jocelyn it was just like this lost 
kind of like, like, I don't know. And I walk out of appointments and I, and I would completely forget like whole sections of the appointment. And I used to think, how did that patient not remember me going over that? I showed it to them on the paper. I highlighted it. Mm-hmm. How? And then like we call them the next day after discharge and they're like, no one explained this to me. And I'm like, I explained this to you, but I get it now. Like, and in the moment you're like, yes, I will remember this. I am understanding the words you are saying. And then Mm -hmm. you just leave and you have this paper and there's highlights on it. And you're like, wait, why is that highlighted? Did we talk about that? Like it's complete. I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm having tiny little like seizures and losing minutes of my life together. But somehow... I absorbed it. An hour. Chemo and me class is what I called that. And I wrote things down. I wrote all kinds of questions down. And the questions I wrote in hindsight are hilarious. One of the questions, no no joke, because I kept it in my Evernote and I was looking at it before tonight. One of the questions was, can I still use self-tanner? Which is so funny. So funny that I thought that I would have... Keeping up the self-tan. <laughs> Gotta look good for chemo. I mean, I can't let all this go just because I'm getting chemo. I gotta live a life. I mean, like, seriously, these were like, this is what I mean by like, who is this person that is, that like, you know what this is. Why would you think that's like, anyway, it's fine. There's no dumb questions. And at the very least, when you get like far beyond it, you'll look back at these questions and you'll laugh. Anyway, port chemo. I got... I already talked about the chemo got. It took eight hours the first time, six hours every other time. It was every three weeks for six infusions, and I got to have every single one of my infusions. I got super close to not being able to get it. And then after the infusion, this is this is like the actual calendar they gave me. Isn't that nice? They gave me like a, a page of the calendar, and they said, okay, cycle one, and this is your day one. Because mm-hmm. I, when I went home that night, I had to take, what med is on there? Oh, Alonzapine. Alonzapine. Which, when I looked it up, it's an antipsychotic. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't because I was psychotic. Or not just because I was psychotic. It's for nausea. Mm-hmm. Explain that one to me. That's amazing. You know, it's a new thing that they added on. Is it a new on. thing? Mm-hmm. Mm. They added on to all of our carboplatin protocols recently. So... Oh, is it specific to carboplatin? Yeah, it's it's for the highly hematogenic chemos. And so it's always with our carbo patients. And Mm. I feel like we've added it on to some of the leukemia lymphoma protocols too. But they found that doing that at night, I mean, I think it helps people sleep, especially if you got the Decadron because that can make you feel kind of wired. Helps you sleep and then also helps with nausea. I don't know the the pharmacokinetics on why that works hmm. but so i always interesting always trying to make chemo a little bit better you know i did I mean, not vomit one time not once when i was getting chemo i don't th- it rushed through me so quickly i don't know that anything i got mad nauseous like a few times mm-hmm. and i had this little pill case that i got that I kept with me everywhere, and it had Imodium, and then the quick-dissolving Zofran, and Compazine. Mm-hmm. So I had like three different PRNs 
that I would use all the time. And that dissolvable ass tasting Zofran like really works. So power through it. But for like five days after I got each regimen, I had specific things. I had to take the antipsychotic at night and Mm -hmm. then I had to take the steroid in the morning, Mm -hmm. I think. And then all the PRNs that I had. Did you also take the Claritin? I didn't take the Claritin. Is that for the the bone pain? So... Yeah, so after, because I got my um, infusion on a Friday, and you're supposed to get the new Lasta. Mm -hmm. Okay, explain. So the new Lasta they put on me was the little robot. Oh, and then pokes you at home? Yeah, well, it it poked me there. Oh, that releases the medicine. Yeah, it it releases an on. on Oh, I just called it the robot. I have it here somewhere. It is like an on pro or on. Uh, I, it, I think it's something we can't mm-hmm. use it there's in the hospital there are insurance rules where you can't use it we actually have to give somebody a version where they give themselves a shot every day for seven days which is really not ideal kidding? And, yeah, instead of the new last you do nupagen just seven to ten days and so if you start in the hospital you have to finish it at home it's really terrible really terrible Giving yourself a shot is difficult. As a nurse, I don't... That would be very hard for me to do. Yes. So the robot must be expensive then? I am sure it's very expensive. Well, they put this robot on you and it like stabs Mm -hmm. you. It's a tiny needle and it just like introduces the catheter that just Mm -hmm. sits there because it's a sub-Q injection. Mm -hmm. And then the next day in the evening, it'll like beep at you and start going off. And you can hear the little gears going and it takes like 20 minutes for it to go in. You had this. No. You had the robot? No. You didn't have the robot? No. Did you go back in and get it? Yes. You did. What mm-hmm. days were your infusions? Tuesday. That's probably why. Mm-hmm. It, it's between 48 and 72 hours? After? 24 to 72 hours. 24 to 72 hours. Mm-hmm. Well, I got mine on a Friday, so I think it's because they wanted mm-hmm. it to go in 24 hours after. But that little robot, so sometimes people get devastating bone pain with the robot. One of my friends talked about like like feeling like she was having, well, she's a physician, so she mm-hmm. said, it's, she thought, am I having a PE? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like a heart attack, mm-hmm. basically, feeling, because it was so profound, like in her sternum. Mm. But I never had the bone pain. Did Ooh, you have the bone yes, pain? Yes, very much. Okay. Pelvis. Oh. Um, yeah. Big time in my pelvis. So what does it feel like? Um, I'd say it feels like an elephant is sitting on you. Ooh. Mm-hmm. It's okay. just like an ache you can't make go away. Like like you have a really bad bruise. Like somebody took a hammer and like pounded mm-hmm. your pelvis with it. And you're, that's sort of how it feels. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> so what what is it? Like why do we get new last or new pigeon mm-hmm. after chemo? So to go back to the rapidly dividing cells, that's also your bone marrow and all of your blood. So red blood cells, platelets, and then white blood cells. White blood cells are what fight off infection. That's why when you're getting chemo, everybody's so nervous about keeping sick people away from you and keeping yourself really healthy because you just don't have very much of an immune system. So what Nupagen is, is it's a, it's called a colony stimulating factor. Basically it tells your bone marrow, 
kickstart makes more white blood cells. So it helps you from getting neutropenic. Hmm. But then it's working overdrive and you end up with some bone pain. So that's why your bones hurt because Mm -hmm. the marrow is like working overtime. Exactly. Then why didn't my bones hurt? Were they just not working that well? They're still not working that well, I can tell you right now. You become a little obsessed with your own Mm -hmm. labs. I'm sure. In like a not healthy way, I felt like. Because after you get chemo, then you have a year. Usually it's a year of Herceptin, Mm -hmm. and usually that's every three weeks as well. But And you got Herceptin. I did. Sometimes you have to get Herceptin and Progetta Mm -hmm. together. And the nickname for Progetta is Pugetta. Because apparently that one causes the shits pretty bad, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In addition to the chemo, just creating a real streamlined process. Mm -hmm. No barriers. And yet, not smooth, because that hurt like hell. So, like, I don't know what was... I want to see inside. Like, this is gross, but, like, for three years I worked with a physician and we did colonoscopies, like, in the clinic every Mm -hmm. Thursday and Friday. And so I've been inside of hundreds of people's colons, like, and it's all glossy and smooth. And these are people who have like prepped. So there's, there's Mm -hmm. no, there's no stool in there. There's no shit in there. It's just an endless pink hallway and it's, it's glossy and smooth. And I couldn't like rationalize in my head if everything's that smooth, like, why does this hurt so bad? It's just liquid coming out of, like, a skin tube. Like, I just, I don't... It's like, shouldn't this be smooth and easy? Yes. I mean, it should be precipitous, and mm-hmm. it should be very quick. But, like, why so devastating? Why does it have to hurt so bad? I don't, I just, physiologically, I don't understand why. Why that has to happen at all definitely don't have an explanation for that oh my god change that damn emodium packaging (laughs) um okay you get a year of herceptin which means every three weeks they're taking your labs Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. you get like obsessed are they sharing your labs with you or are they just typically saying oh your labs are are good they'll they should ask you if you want to print out oh i just received a printout without asking Every single time. Mm. And then there were so many little... There it is. Yeah, I got it. I'm going to do some bragging here in a minute. Little acronyms on there. Yeah, did somebody sit down and explain to you what any of this means? Dr. Google. These are good or bad? Well, it will tell you high or low. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Dr. Google... (laughs) So I'm going to go through some labs. So those that you're looking at now are pre- so this was before okay. chemo, but after diagnosis. And the labs that I would fixate on were white blood cell and ANC. Mm-hmm. So what is what is the difference? So white blood cells are your total white blood cells. Neutrophils are baby white blood cells. They are going to become all of your other white blood cells. So when those are really low, you're not going to get the rest of your white blood cells. You're not going to get adult blood yeah. cells. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. And then I became obsessed with hemoglobin because hemoglobin, to all intents and purposes, is basically energy 
for exactly. your body. Yeah. Right? Carries oxygen around your body. Which every cellular you process ends everywhere. with an oxygen receptor. So if you don't have oxygen, you're just going to be tired. You're going to be dragging. Yeah. Yeah. And then what was the other one that I became a... Uh, how do I not remember? Were you watching your kidneys? Yes, we were watching your my kidneys. kidneys. Yes. Which was fine. So, before chemo, my... It was, it was basically the hemoglobin... Oh, platelets. Mm-hmm. My platelets started getting kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. I learned that... Um, like in my particular family, we naturally have low platelets. You like, do? Yes. Like genetically? I'm assuming so because mm. I was talking to my brother about it and I said, man, and I know this was not during a time of chemo. Um, and I was like, well, my platelets are really low. And he goes, you know, what's really weird because he had gone to the doctor because I mean, one of us in the family going to the doctor is not enough. My brother. No, I actually pushed him. <laughs> I was like, you probably need to go to the doctor and just, you know, check on your overall health and get some mm-hmm. yearly labs. And um, if his little sister is going through cancer treatment, he should probably give a little check around, mm-hmm. see how that's going. And he goes, my doctor said that my platelets were low, too. And I was like, really? Huh. Maybe that's like a family thing. Maybe that there's a reason for both of us to have similar things like that. That's really interesting. I don't think I've ever yeah, I don't think heard I've of that. But it would make sense. Some people just genetically have lower hemoglobins. Yeah. Hmm. Do you know what your platelets are? No, not right now. Hmm. Well, let me tell you. I can't. So, because I became obsessed with this. These are my pre-labs. So this is pre-chemo. I'm just going to hit the highlights here because there's a lot. Um, white blood cells, 19.1. That's high. Yeah. Why would my white blood cells be high? There can be a lot of reasons. Okay. Fighting off infection. It With breast cancer, I can't think of a specific reason that they would be high. With other types mm-hmm. of cancers, yes. The normal range for white blood cells, according to this scale, I'm not pulling this from memory. <laughs> not that. No, 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 no. Uh, is 4.8 to 10.8. So that's like normal. But they go up with infection mm-hmm. um, and then they go down with chemo and immunosuppressant. A and C, which are the neutrophils, which yep. are the little baby, baby white blood cells. Baby white blood cells. Future adult blood cells. Mm-hmm. The future of your immune system. A and Cs are our future. Um, 3.2, which is respectable, Mm -hmm. honestly, because the range is 1.5 to 6.5. Yeah. Body's doing well. Doing great. Platelets. Where are you at? Ooh, 157. Beautiful. Nice. Okay. For reference, platelets, which clot your blood. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Without them, your blood wouldn't clot and you'd bleed to death on the inside. Yep. Great. Um, or on the outside, depending on the integrity of your skin. Um, so my platelets are 157. Normal range is 130 to 400. Mm -hmm. Serious? Yeah. I mean, also everywhere you look, it's going to have a different scale. I think at work we see like 150 to 450, but. Okay. And everything else like normal. They check your kidneys. They check your liver. They check Mm -hmm. your potassium. 
And if you're a normal human living in America, your vitamin D is low. So don't freak out about that because it's going to be really damn low. We don't spend enough time outside. No, we really don't. Um, then I have these lab results. And this was a week, two weeks after my final chemo infusion. White blood cells, 2.3. <laughs> Down from 19. Bum, bum, bum. Wah, wah. An absolute neutrophil count, 0. 0.8. Oh. Pretty good. Not the worst I've ever seen. Though. Not the worst. What's the worst ANC, the lowest ANC you've ever seen? Zero. Like no. 0.000. 0.0. Woo. Oh, man. But 0. 0.8 is, is low. We say neutropenic is less than 1.5. Less than 0.1 is severely neutropenic. And then less than 0.5, we don't let you leave the hospital. Oh. My pre-hemoglobin. Mm-hmm. So pre-chemo, 14.6. Healthy. So wow. much energy. Oh, hell yeah, to the 14.6. So between 12 and 16 is normal. Mm-hmm. And you feel like a normal person with normal energy. Post-chemo hemoglobin. Wow. I can't tell you physically. Okay. So like for reference, once our patient's hemoglobin, like a normal patient, once their hemoglobin is below seven, they need blood. Yes. Like in the hospital, we would give them blood. Once your platelets are below 70, if you're going to surgery, you're going to get platelets Mm -hmm. because they want you to clot. But I think they have to be like below, what, 30 to just get, pl- or what do you? Yeah, for our cancer patients, we don't give platelets as readily because it's expected. Mm-hmm. So if it's less than 10, we always give it to cancer patients, and then less than 50 if they're bleeding. Okay. The difference between a 14 point whatever and an 8.7 hemoglobin is like profound. Yeah. I could barely, it felt like when I was on night shift, working 12 hour shifts, you're in a daze, you're like hungover somehow, but you didn't drink anything. And you're, it's not just like physically tired, you're mentally, like you can't complete a thought process. You can't like, like you remember this probably. Do you remember how low, did you, did you get obsessed with this stuff? Uh, I didn't. A little bit, a little bit. I mean, there were, I mean, when you work in a hospital and Mm -hmm. you're constantly looking at things like that, and then not only that, but your friends are also working in the hospital and they're asking you, Hey, how's your, yeah, that's true. You know, how are your, how's your white count? Like, how's Mm -hmm. that looking today? And that kind of like brings it forward a little bit more than I think people who don't work in healthcare or around healthcare probably would mm-hmm. not have as much people like asking about randomly, like how are your platelets today? It's a whole That's other true. like mm-hmm. vocabulary. It's a whole other language. Mm-hmm. If you don't work in healthcare and somebody said, what, what are your neutrophils? I right. think somebody would be like, are you crazy? What is that? Like, yeah. I don't have any neutrophils. Yeah. Like, how are your yeah. neutrophils? Yeah. It sounds like some kind of 
like the next glamorous water like fad mm, like yeah. oh have you heard of neutrophil water it's so good for you it like ph balances your stomach and like uh lifts it gives your it detoxifies and kind of just gives your immune system a little boost mm-hmm. yeah neutrophil neutrophil water less wrinkles <laughs> <laughs> of course everything less wrinkles <laughs> nice so Jocelyn and I both received the same kind of chemo regimen mm-hmm. and mm. um, there's obviously so many different kinds of regimens and do the, you see the same kind of like the treatment schedule has a very specific pattern to it? Yes, absolutely. That is part of like the evidence-based background of why the protocol is given the way it's given Mm -hmm. it's really important that it's given on the correct schedule you're not saying oh you know what I want to go to Mexico for two weeks can I just wait and do my chemo when I get back (laughs) I tried that it didn't work tried to go but (laughs) it's quickly shut down I'm sure you can't do that really quickly Mm -hmm. Hmm. it's all about how you know they basically give you the chemo all of your counts go down. You feel crappy. You just start to feel better because all of those counts are coming back up. Mm-hmm. Your body's made new white blood cells. Your hemoglobin's back up. Feeling more like yourself. That means it's time for more chemo. <laughs> it's perfect. They're like, great. You're back. You're ready for the next one. Son of a bitch. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't get a little break there. Um, and... You know, different different chemo regimens, they can be anywhere from weekly to every two weeks. Um, and I think that the longest is 28 days that we see in the hospital for some of the really, really strong chemos. You have to wait a whole month. Oh, wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. For like, our, like our leukemia patients. Okay, yeah. Usually wait that long. Wow. But the scheduling is also a part of the treatment plan. Just as just as much as the pre-meds and the post-meds are, it's all a part of what the research shows is best. So just to confirm, um, like you have to get chemo. Like can't you just do, can't you fight cancer with nutrition? Can't you just eat better and then your body will know what to do? Wouldn't it be lovely if you could just have smoothies from Juice Land every day and never eat white bread again and then your cancer would be gone and you would also never get cancer? Exactly. Why not? What a beautiful world that would be. (laughs) Um, Cancer is so smart. So cancer is mutated genes. That can be from genetics. That can be from exposure to carcinogens. That can just be shitty luck but these cells have learned how to mutate and how to become this tumor and continue growing and growing most of the time you can't just cut it out because you don't know if it is spread anywhere else it's like if there was a pile of sand in front of you and you had to get every single piece of sand up sure you could like pick it up and you'd get most of it but you wouldn't get all of it that's not it's not all of your cancer that they got out and they've got to make sure that they get every single cell because if they leave one of those smart ass cells behind, <laughs> they're going to try and they're going to try and grow again. 
That's just like why you have to get the chemo. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be great if you didn't have to, but you have to get it again and again and again to make sure that all of those cells are gone and you get different types of chemo in, in your regimen, like the carbo and the taxol. So the cancer doesn't get so smart and learn how to mutate past one of them. I love the analogy of picking up the sand. Cause yeah. you can see that like you yeah. get most of it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you would not get all of it. No. Cause even if a microscopic piece fell mm-hmm. out, it could, yeah, that's enough. The pile will come right back. Exactly. Man. Yeah. And it's, sometimes it feels barbaric because it really is like a really smart version of, I don't want to say a poison, but it's, it's, it's a cancer poison. It is. It's a really smart version of a poison, but it is the best thing. And it is the only thing that will treat and hopefully cure your cancer. It feels like poison, by the way. Yeah. It, it sure does. Like but I think we're living like in an era, and this is kind of similar to like vaccines, right? We don't remember a time when polio was killing mm-hmm. children. We don't remember like, we never, we don't know anyone whose child is in an iron lung because we have these vaccines mm-hmm. and regardless of how you feel about vaccines and their ties to other things, they definitely do prevent polio among other things. <laughs> so, I mean, that is true. So I think we don't remember a time. I don't remember a time before chemo. Mm-hmm. And when you go back and you, there's this documentary that I keep trying to get through and it's super good. And I bet you know this book, the mm-hmm. emperor of all maladies. I was just going to, Okay. Bring that up. I can't remember if, if I've, we've mentioned this before, but like that that's a big book. And I forget this physician's name and I feel really poorly about that. He's really brilliant. Mm-hmm. And he wrote this book and it's basically the history of cancer and the history of chemo. And like, it's so detailed. So Ken Burns, that beautiful man, he made a documentary and it's a three-part documentary mm-hmm. and it's on Amazon. You can stream it if you have like Prime or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and I've gotten through two of the three episodes and like trigger warning, <laughs> like I, again, I'm a logical person. Mm-hmm. I am a scientific person. I understand to a certain extent from having been a chemo provider. And so I pop, you know, just like pressed play on this thing. And within like 10 minutes, I just had to stop it and like, it took a week for me to try to get back into it again. It's it's a very good, thorough like documentary about chemo, but he goes way, way back. And we don't, you don't see people anymore wh- who, where their tumors have literally eaten themselves to the outside of their body. Mm-hmm. And like that shit used to happen all the time. But we have chemo now. Exactly. And so... We can shrink the tumors. We can mm-hmm. take them out. Or if it's a blood cancer, that's a whole different thing, you know. But people aren't dying that way anymore. Some people are dying of chemo. Yes. They're dying in the attempt. But it's so much of a smaller mm-hmm. percentage than people who, I mean, 
cancer just used to be a death sentence full stop. There's, oh, I'm going to butcher this because I need to do more research before we record these things. But like, I remember watching it and he went all the way back to um, these Egyptian like hieroglyph tablets that they found. And it was an Egyptian physician had made a dictionary of all the known diseases. And there were like 43. (laughs) Those were all the known diseases. And one of them was, um, it was a description of painful lumps in the breasts. And under he, what he was doing, the dictionary wasn't Mm -hmm. just the diseases, it was all the cures. And so, but this, um, he described painful lumps in the in the breast that would sometimes exit the body and become mm-hmm. like this mass. And then under cure, it says there is no cure. That was it. And I was like, yeah. I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> and I had to just like turn it off. And that mm-hmm. was like from ancient Egypt. Like, I don't know. But this, is, this has been around for so long and we've gone through so many phases and so many fa- this and- is truly the best we have. Mm-hmm. It really is the best that we have. And often you have to get it before a surgery to help shrink the tumor so you're not ripping apart someone's entire chest wall to get a tumor. Or maybe you get chemo after you take the lump out either either way is just determined by your doctor as the best one but chemo still for almost all cancers chemo is is a part of the treatment that is is the treatment Mm -hmm. is the most important part cannot be avoided you can't drink smoothies your way out of it (laughs) yeah I still don't know what to say to people actively getting chemo even though like just do what I did what do you do I went up to you and I said you need to be my friend yeah you did (laughs) do you want a friend (laughs) I still don't know how you did that like hi I need to know you hi I need to know you we need to be friends Mm -hmm. I love it that was pretty great Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a really great tack. Yeah. yeah. Still, chemo is the worst. Agreed. The worst part. Agreed. Although it's short-lived. It but is. But during feels like forever. This is what I mean. Like, I don't know what to say to people who are currently getting chemo because I guess the end of that statement would be, mm-hmm. I don't know what to say to them to make them feel better in that moment. I still don't. Because when I think back... I can't, I can't think of a single thing that to hold on to that someone told me or that I ended up telling myself that made it feel better. Like you're halfway through. Didn't help. No. Oh, you you're know, like, oh, I have to do this all again. Yeah, it, exactly. And like, and it's such a well-meaning statement too. like creating mm-hmm. benchmarks for people sounds like such a good thing to do, but like nothing for me helped mm-hmm. like nothing i think that there's another piece that um just from a patient perspective that i know my physician told me about chemo and saying that it builds on itself Hmm. and i was trying to understand what the heck that i mean i get it like the more you take a drug then the more you know it builds in your system and okay i can understand that um I did not understand the 
depth of all of that though and how that plays out be I mean I I feel like I went from a relatively healthy looking person mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. a person the end of my treatment who was very frail mm-hmm. looking and feeling mm-hmm. like um walking and standing up for too long was exhausting mm-hmm. you think that it's it's the meds building up but also each time you're recovering and you're feeling better but you're not back to your pre-chemo self so you come down a little bit and you're like okay you're doing well you can get another round and then again still doing okay and then each time your recovery is not what it was the time before Mm -hmm. they're making sure that your body can handle the chemo but your body handling the chemo is not the same as it was the first time. No. Mm-mm. These are really hardcore medicines. And when we educate patients, we're like, these are the common ones. Greater than 30% of patients get these side effects, mm-hmm. which is a lot of people. And then we talk about the less common, which is less than 30%. And most of the time we don't even talk about the things that 10% of patients get. And that is a, a very large percentage if you looked at any other medication mm-hmm. and you were discussing side effects. Yeah. So mm. along those lines, because you become obsessed with these meds you're getting and you become obsessed with your labs, are there, and we Google everything because mm-hmm. that's we're a Googling culture, are there reputable sites that lay people can go to? To get this information. Yes, absolutely. Um, my favorite site is called chemocare.com. It sounds like it would be full of ads or like not a real thing, mm-hmm. but it is. It's great. Chemocare.com. You can look up every single one of the chemo drugs and biotherapies. So non-chemo drugs are on there. You can look them up by their brand name or their generic name. You can look them up just by letter. If you don't remember what it sounds like, they all sound like alien names or something (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, it talks about the chemo how it's given side effects it has what are side effects I should be really really worried about and call my doctor about right away whereas what are side effects I could probably wait a day or two Mm. it has information about what to do to keep yourself healthy which are just they're really basic things like drink enough water probably don't like go on a bender wear sunscreen I mean things that we all know are healthy things um and then it it also goes into how the chemo works so if you want to know more information on why this works in your body it talks about how it's killing the cells and so you can look up all of your chemos then you can also look up side effects um and try and get ideas of what might help I mean there are certain things that there's not a great solution for the side effect But Mm. you can learn more about like what works for most people. What are some medications that I could ask my oncologist for? That's good. It's it's really, really helpful. And I tell, I mean, you would advise people not to Google things, but Mm -hmm. that's kind of like naive. You know that they're going to Google things. Right. And you could get like sucked into a forum and hearing somebody else's experience isn't necessarily going to be your experience. You don't know 
who their doctor is or what their diagnosis is, but chemocare.com is great. It's what we educate everybody in the hospital with. Okay. That's awesome. That's I that I noticed that that's what also what they used at my clinic. Like mm-hmm. every every printout they gave me was from chemocare. And it's really like straightforward language. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. And like I like that they separate some of the information into like tables. Mhm. When they talk about the side effects. I just, I love a good spreadsheet, so yeah, it makes and if, it really and if clear. people like in your life have questions about the chemo that you're giving or getting and like you're exhausted, you don't want to talk to them all about carboplatin, be like, oh, chemocare.com. <laughs> Educate yourself. I don't have the emotional energy to do that for you right now. Hashtag educate yourself. Mm-hmm. I feel I like love that's that. uh, something just in general as a cancer patient, it is not your responsibility to teach others about cancer. No. Or cancer treatment. Mm-mm. Maybe when you're done with it and you're If you'd like, like to. Yeah, if it's your thing. Mm-hmm. But while you're going through it, no. 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 It's not your job. Mm-mm. People put a lot on. Oh, you exactly. found it. Yeah. Nice. Pulled up a little bit of chemocare.com. Mm. It's wow. pretty mobile friendly. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I would say places not to get your cancer chemo information. Uh, Pinterest. <sighs> Pinterest is going to figure out you have cancer. And then they're just going to start feeding you a bunch of bullshit. About herbs. Oh my supplements. god. Supplements. Oh my god. It's the worst. How to get chemo with zero side effects. No. God. Just no. Yeah. Just go to chemo care that and then just be done with it. It's and when mm. I think people well meaning people in your life can also I was giving chemo to a patient this was like three years ago. It's like one of our first treatment she's pretty freaked out and then this friend came in with like all this fruit and she's like okay so I did some research and so I've brought these things for you and I was like oh my god she probably wants like a cookie or not your opinion (laughs) on how to cure her cancer right now I just and she asked me my opinion and I I honestly hardly even knew what to say to this woman I was so frustrated with her oh yeah a lot of people are going to try to get And it's you. well-meaning, but it's just... Yeah. I mean, because there's so much noise out there mm-hmm. of what you should do. And I think the best thing to do is listen to your doctor mm-hmm. and then listen to your insides. Yes. And whatever your insides tell you to do, mm-hmm. and if it agrees with what your doctor says, that's what you do. That is perfect. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. This is not the time to go on a, oh, I don't know, keto diet yeah. or a raw food diet or like. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine doing that? No, chemo. no. Make Whoa. grand plans for someday, mm-hmm. but don't do that today. Also not a great time to be like, I'm, you know, going to save the planet and not have any disposable mm-hmm. anything. No, you should use disposable shit because everything is going to make you sick. So Yeah. I went through so many Dixie cups. Dixie cups were great. Like for um, swishing my mm. uh, baking soda and mm-hmm. salt mouth rinse, which is literally just baking, just baking soda, soda and, salt. and salt. And I 
I actually spent a lot of time Googling the ratios. I was very concerned about the formulation and I wanted it to be just right. Mm -hmm. But I think what I ended up doing, (laughs) I was very concerned, was 16 ounces of water and then like a tablespoon of each thing. Does this sound like too much or too little? Most of the time in the hospital, we just give people these like little, God, what size would I describe it as? Like maybe like like a condiment cup if you went somewhere. That size, half baking soda, half salt. And then when they're in the hospital, I just, a little bit of warm water and like a quarter of a teaspoon. Okay. It's not an exact science. Right. Just half and half and just a little bit. And warm water, it helps it dissolve a little bit faster. It does. I put it like in a hydro flask, like one mm-hmm. with, the, with the complete lid so I could shake it. And then I had one at work and one at home. And you can, if you're at work, you can pour the little mixture into the Dixie cup and then swish, swish it around in your office and then spit it back into the Dixie cup and then covertly walk it out to the nurse's station and dump it down the drain and throw it away. <laughs> and no one is the wiser. Just teeny tiny disposable cup. <laughs> yeah. And then I'd put my pills in that Dixie cup and then I would set out my different pills for the day in different Dixie cups. So like, I'm sorry, I created a lot of garbage with Dixie cups and disposable plates. And because the other thing is, I don't want to do dishes and I don't want, and if you have a, a partner who lives with you or a roommate, you don't want them to be constantly doing dishes. So we bought paper plates and plastic spoons and forks and knives and paper bowls. I know. Mm horrifying and so now (laughs) my goal for this year is to eliminate plastic ziploc bags so i'm buying all those reusable so like i'm Mm -hmm. trying to offset all of the the huge carbon footprint that chemo left behind (laughs) but like you know while you're getting chemo is not the time to like become this it's not superior person that you've always wanted to be like just track it and make plans for the future and, I mean, disposable stuff, you're staying away from germs, you're not, you know. Yes. It becomes about something different. Mm-hmm. So, be the person who puts out a full bag of trash every day and who eats Cheez-Its because it's the only thing that you don't shit out immediately. Yeah. And, I don't know, be bitchy. Mm-hmm. Just like, you don't have to do anything you don't have to put a scarf on you don't have to put makeup on people can deal with it and if they're uncomfortable that's them Mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with you and you're not responsible for the way that other people react to how you present yourself Mm -hmm. yeah and you're not responsible for taking on their emotions and making them feel better and making them feel comfortable just like ever yeah but especially yes (laughs) well um I personally want to say thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate mm-hmm. your expertise here today and giving all of your insight, what you know, and your experience so valuable, especially um, to cancer patients and also um, their family or friends that could be listening that are you know, really wanting to get information mm-hmm. and try and understand what their loved one is going through. I think it's so important that um and the information that you've shared has been really helpful so thank you thank you you for having me this has been really fun and really 
Educate yourself. Hashtag educate yourself. That's right. Mm-hmm. Also good to use on others. Not best your used on others. Yeah. Best used on others. Chemocare.com. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cool. Great. Okay. So well, this was bedtime. Breast Cancer is Boring. Yes. Breast Cancer is Boring. Bedtime is now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good night, everybody. <laughs> Music, music, music!